Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to QC Fantasy. My name is Graham Rogers, and today I'm actually flying solo on the podcast. First ever solo podcast in uh, QC Fantasy history. So excited. Uh, didn't want you guys to miss out on two shows this week, so I will, uh, I'll make do while Taylor and Chris cannot be here, but excited for the other show we've got uh, coming out probably Friday, recording tomorrow. But without any further ado, I will jump into the NFL news. So first up, I think the big news of the week has been uh, Kareem Hunt's trade request with the Cleveland Browns. So uh, interesting to kind of see the request go through, demand, whatever you want to call it, and then the Browns basically shooting that down pretty quickly. I think the Browns want him there. I think he's an asset to that team, especially with the uncertainty around Deshaun Watson and what that suspension is actually going to be. But you know, as far as fantasy goes, we've talked about it earlier in the offseason about Chubb's value if Kareem Hunt does leave, uh, because some of the pass catching work is going to be there. And if Jacoby Brissett is playing six games, possibly more, he's a quarterback more likely to check the ball down than maybe Deshaun Watson is. So I don't know if Dearness Johnson is that great of a pass catcher or that much better than Kareem Hunt, where or better than Nick Chubb, where it makes sense to bring him off the field. So Nick Chubb's value, I think, would definitely go up. Up. Dearness Johnson obviously goes up as well if Kareem Hunt goes somewhere else. And then, of course, depending on where he lands, uh, Kareem Hunt's value could go up. I, I hear a lot of people saying no matter what, Kareem Hunt's value is going to go up. I'm not sure I fully believe that, just depending on where he lands, because he has had a decent workload. And let's be honest, Nick Chubb, even though he is a great running back, has also missed his fair share of games, which has opened up opportunity for Kareem Hunt. So it will be really interesting to watch how this plays out. Obviously, we will keep you updated monitoring the situation as we move towards the regular season. Not a whole lot more in news notes, but as we've been talking about best ball and things that are affecting drafts, you know, I do want to talk about Josh Palmer in Los Angeles. So he seems to be separating himself from Jalen Guyton as the number three in Los Angeles. If this was the number three spot in another offense like Chicago or, or New York Jets, either New York franchise, honestly, uh, wouldn't be too worried about it but being the number three in LA could have value with Justin Herbert and you know again knock on wood something happens to Keenan Hallen or Mike Williams where they miss time and you're talking about Josh Palmer being a contributor in fantasy pretty quickly so definitely something to keep an eye on and then another interesting piece in another high-powered offense or what we're expecting definitely what I'm expecting uh Eno Benjamin uh practicing right now is the number two in Arizona and starting to separate himself will be interesting to see if he can take on that Chase Edmonds role in uh Arizona and if so you know people that were thinking that James Conner was going to be the every down back you know may have to throttle that back a little bit and honestly it may be better for James Conner avoid some of the hits some of the injuries uh whatever the case may be there it may be good to lighten his workload let him just do what he did last year which is thrive in the red zone get red zone touches and touchdowns and of course that's value in the fantasy world as well so 
that's really it for the news. Again, we'll kind of monitor the Kareem Hunt situation, the trade request, and then be here to break everything down if there is a move made uh, to somebody acquiring Kareem Hunt and what exactly uh, the Browns get back as far as pieces for that. And of course, the Deshaun Watson situation as we kind of sit by after the NFL's appeal and see what comes down there if it stays at six games or if that gets extended to a longer period of time. But that's it for the news. Let's dive into some tight end best ball rankings here. So I do just want to set the stage first. Again, I hate not having Taylor and Chris to, to bounce these things off of, but good news, I won't get pushed back on some things here, which I'm excited about. So I, I do want to talk about strategy. So I am very rarely picking a tight end in the middle rounds. So most of the time I am paying up for the top guys, one of them for sure, maybe even two of them, depending on how the board falls to me. Or honestly, I am kicking this can down the road and hoping Hoping that I can maybe draft three tight ends, which again, may be a little much for some of the best ball leagues that I'm in, but I get a little bit more security just in case there's an injury. And I'll kind of talk through that as I get farther down the list, but that's, that's just my personal preference. I'm not a huge fan of some of the guys in the middle rounds. I don't think they're going to make that big of a difference, especially if I draft somebody early. I don't need somebody in the middle rounds that may be giving me 10 or 11 points a game. I'd rather take a shot or two farther down the board. If I have a Kelsey and Andrews, a pit, some of those guys that I know are going to give me points week in and week out. I'll take a long shot on a couple of guys later in the draft who really just need to fill in for me for a week or two, maybe three if somebody sits out for a couple of weeks because of, you know, a minor or a nagging injury. So without further ado, I will get into my top 12 here. So my tied in ones for best ball. This is all half PPR. So coming in at number one, I did make this shift uh, over the offseason, but I put Travis Kelsey at number one. Previously, I had Mark Andrews. I think with the opportunity there, the targets that have left with Tyreek Hill moving on, I just... Kelsey's got to be the guy there and he can carry the load. We've seen it before. He can be the guy. So I think the one thing you worry about there is potential injury. Uh, Kelsey's not as young as he used to be. And then if he's getting that many more uh, targets, that many more receptions, you do worry about some of the hits that he may be taking, especially if he's over the middle. Uh, but hopefully you've got guys like Juju and Miko Hardman. If Sky Moore can fill in MVS, obviously stretching the field. Um, People that can take some of the attention off of Travis Kelsey and just let him work and, and do what he needs to do. And you know him and Patrick Mahomes have a good rapport. So that's something that we can definitely rely on. Number two, again, Mark Andrews there had him at one at one point, but I think the volume for Kelsey in that offense is just going to be more than what Mark Andrews is going to see, even though he is also, I think, the alpha in Baltimore. It's an offense that's going to run more than Kansas City is. So that's really the big difference there. I've got Kyle Pitts in at number three. Again, more of a volume thing of their alpha wide receiver there right now is a rookie in Drake London. So if Marcus Mariota is going to step in and be the guy, or if Ritter comes on later, then it's got to be Kyle Pitts that is leading this team in targets, in receptions, the whole nine. And again, we know the target that he is in the red zone. Didn't have many last year, so probably some regression coming here in the second year, which is why I push him up to three over guys like, say, a Darren Waller or George Kittle. 
and Darren Waller has much more competition for targets with Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, both on drives, but especially in the red zone where I'm less confident he's going to be the guy getting those targets. And then with George Kittle, we have a quarterback there in Trey Lance that I'm very confident in, but I know there are question marks about, you know, how this offense is really going to work. How many uh, passing plays are they going to run? And those passing plays that turn into runs because Trey Lance is going to take off because he's an athlete. That's where I start to look at Darren Waller and George Kittle as, you know, again, potentially just being volume issues and not being the alpha like I see Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts in the offenses that they're in. So. I really classify those top five altogether. There are good options here in the next seven as far as tight end ones go. And again, I'll, I'll go through those here in just a minute. But I have had a couple of drafts where with the way the board has fallen and taking a top end running back, having a wide receiver or two in a single quarterback lineup, I have you know gotten lucky and ended up with a Kyle Pitts and a George Kittle or a Travis Kelsey and a Darren Waller. And again, just where the board has fallen and the value as those guys drop past ADP, because some drafts I'm in with 11 other people. They're waiting on tight end. They're not going to take the guys early. And if I can get two of these top flight guys and I can have somebody fill my tight end position and potentially even a flex for these guys that are at the very top of their position. And again, some of it is some game theory as well, right? If I take these guys off the board when they're slipping past ADP, there are 11 other people in my division here when I want to advance later in the season that don't have a top end tight end that can compete with me. So that's something that has played out in a couple of drafts. I would just keep an eye out for it because the next names that I'm going to reel off here through 12, 6 through 12, I don't see as big of a difference between 6 through 12 and let's say 13 through about maybe 19 or 20, even past that, as there is a separation between, say, Kittle and the person coming in at number six here. So number six, I do have Dalton Schultz. Again, I think this is more of a volume thing than anything else. I'm not a huge fan of Dalton Schultz. I don't think he's the best athlete, but he is in an offense that is going to score points. And he is going to be right now, I believe, as much as I'm a Jalen Tolbert fan, if they don't bring in another option at wide receiver with James Washington missing time and with Michael Gallup coming back later in the season off of his injury knee injury last year, Dalton Schultz is probably going to be the number two option for Dak Prescott unless we see Jalen Tolbert just take off or, as I think a lot of us hope, maybe Tony Pollard is out there in some slot uh, and running routes a little bit more. More, which would be awesome, but Dalton Schultz coming in at six. Dallas Goddard comes in behind him at seven. I I really like Goddard. If they hadn't made the move for AJ Brown, I'd probably be higher on him just because there's more target competition there. Again, more of a run-heavy offense with a quarterback that we're not sure how accurate he is. Uh, and again, with a target competition that's there with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. I love Goddard, but I think that's what pushes him down behind Dalton Schultz, where it's just going to be volume for him in the Dallas offense. So T.J. Hawkinson comes in at eight. Again, kind of hoping everybody stays healthy here. T.J. Hawkinson in the Detroit offense we think is going to be much better. Had a very good start to the year last year. I had him in a couple of leagues and was really happy until the injuries set in. Nothing telling me that that's going to slow down. They've added competition for targets there. So again, I think that's why that pushes him down behind maybe Schultz and Goddard. Zach Ertz coming in at number nine. I've been moving Ertz up 
week after week. I think I'm confident in Kyler Murray. I'm confident in this offense. And as you know, Hopkins left, and as we have question marks about the rushing offense, Eno Benjamin may be the number two here. There are going to be targets there. I know they drafted Trey McBride, but if Zach Ertz kept Dallas Goddard behind him for a couple of years in Philly, I don't see that being a huge issue in Arizona with Ertz keeping Trey McBride behind him. An offense that should be putting up points. I've got Kyler Murray as my MVP and my number one quarterback, so Ertz is going to benefit if that's the way that things every play everything plays out. So I've got him at number nine. Dawson Knox coming in at number 10. I know there's been a lot of talk about O.J. Howard. There are people that are really high on Gabe Davis, maybe Isaiah McKenzie and Jamison Crowder in the slot position there. If there was not as much target competition, I could look at pushing Dawson Knox higher. But with that, but he's also on a good offense. He's got Josh Allen. He was a big time red zone target, which is where he really paid off last year was the touchdown receptions that he had. I'm just anticipating that. Dawson Knox is still going to be a guy in this offense. I don't think he's going to take a back seat to the slot receiver, whether it is Isaiah McKenzie or Jamison Crowder. And if Gabe Davis doesn't pay off, as some people think, some people think he's going to be a great number two. We know Diggs is the guy there. But if Gabe Davis isn't the number two, you can see Dawson Knox still reeling in a number of those touchdowns and red zone targets. Behind him, I have my guy, Albert O. This is where I enjoy Chris and Taylor not being here. Can't get too much pushback here, but Again, I pushed him up a little bit higher after the Tim Patrick news. We knew somebody was going to get left out of that offense. We obviously weren't hoping that it would be through injury, but the Tim Patrick news does help Albert O as far as targets go. And so, again, I did push him up. He's sitting at 11 here in my rankings. I did have him right on the fringe of 12 and 13, but I do think he's going to get a little bit more. KJ Hamler's not a threat to him in the red zone. He's more of a deep target. So losing Tim Pratt. Patrick has really opened things up for Albert O in a Russell Wilson-led offense. And again, I know there are questions about Russell Wilson targeting tight ends, but let's be honest, he's been throwing to guys like Will Disley since Jimmy Graham moved out of his prime and left Seattle. So I don't have any questions about if Russell Wilson is just going to target his talent, which over the past five years or so has been Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf at wide receiver and not so much at tight end, then I have no question he's going to be looking at Cortland Sutton and then for me honestly it's a toss-up between Judy and Albert O as the next best player go look at some of Albert O's efficiency metrics and how the percentage of the targets that he actually caught some of these numbers are unreal and the fact that they felt comfortable enough moving on from Noah Fant who was a good tight end in my mind and trusting Albert O again with a rookie coming in similar to the Arizona situation I'm not overly concerned Uh, outside of Kyle Pitts. We know there aren't a lot of tight ends that come in and make a huge impact right away to really take away from Albert O's workload. Coming in at number 12, so my last tight end one is Pat Fryermuth. You know, kind of broke onto the scene last year, especially later in the year as, again, a a rookie coming in and contributing to the Steelers offense. I I do like Fryermuth. I am, I think, like a lot of people concerned about this offense. It's Mitch Trubisky-led. I've got a little bit more confidence in Trubisky, uh, but he really isn't competing against much uh, with the rookie Kenny Pickett. And so, 
that was somebody that I did have in front of Albert O until the injury to Tim Patrick, but he's competing against Deontay Johnson, who just got a three-year extension. Talk about Chase Claypool, who we've seen do big things, especially in the red zone where Fryermuth can really pay off. And then, you know, again, rookie George Pickens in there. Uh, so not not overly confident there with how much volume Fryermuth is going to get. Again, they may be willing to take the ball out of Mitch Trubisky's hands in the red zone and just put everything on Najee Harris. So that's a, that's going to be some lost opportunity for Pat Fryermuth. So that's how my top 12 plays out as of right now. And again, this is how I would draft things in a best ball draft. Again, looking for that upside. We've got the five guys locked in. Best case scenario for Dalton Schultz. He is the number two there. We know Goddard, Hawkinson, the talent, Zach Ertz, and Dawson Knox being on good offenses. Alberto getting a little bit of a boost based on target share and volume now with the Tim Patrick injury. And Pat Fryermuth. Honestly, that's more of a bank on talent and the fact that this guy did come on the scene, did play well, and anticipating that still moving forward. I mean, he was competing against these same guys outside of, say, George Pickens last year and still carved out a role. So I don't see why that should be any different with Mitch Trubisky as it was with Ben Roethlisberger last year. So want to dive into the second 12 here with tight ends. So this is where I have gone a little bit off script. This is where I think I'd have a lot of discussion with Chris and Taylor. And on our next show, I'll let them kind of recap and, and look at these things and tell me where I where I got it right, where I may have missed. And outside of Alberto, I think they'd be looking at this section, this next 12, where uh, where I have guys, and again, there are some moving parts here. We know the Deshaun Watson news is still ling- lingering, and see see what those guys think on the next episode. But coming in at 13, so my first tight end two, I've got Irv Smith locked in here. I am really high on the Minnesota offense. I think despite the thumb surgery, there, there really isn't anybody behind him that I am overly concerned about at the tight end position. Even after the news of his surgery uh, for the thumb, they haven't gone out and signed anybody. I mean, we saw Tampa Bay after the Rob Gronkowski news. They went out. They brought in Kyle Rudolph. We know they had Cameron Brait. They drafted a tight end in the draft this season. Minnesota has not made any moves like that, even after the Irv Smith some, or thumb surgery. Uh, so... I feel pretty confident in Irv's position, and we've seen Adam Thielen's, his metrics as far as efficiency as a wide receiver, receptions, uh, seeing some regression as far as touchdowns are concerned from two years ago, starting to slip. And this is where somebody like Irv Smith, who again is a 24-year-old tight end, again, I know he missed last year with an injury, but he's he's being slept on as far as a talent goes. Looking forward to him being in a new offense. They've got the Rams offense coming in for anybody that was high on Tyler Higby last year and really liked him there's no reason for you not to be high on Irv Smith with maybe less target competition than Tyler Higby was facing last year with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and here you've got Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen a fading Adam Thielen so I'm all in on Irv Smith I have Mike Gusecki coming in at 14 I this was tough for me. I do bank on talent, and I'm also banking on the fact that I'm not sure Tua is going to be a guy that's really going to push the ball down the field. So that may limit Tyreek Hill. It may benefit Hill if they put him in positions close to the line of scrimmage. We saw Waddle run a lot of 
routes closer to the line of scrimmage last year. He wasn't stretching the field. And so if Tua is going to have a safety valve that is not named Chase Edmonds, because we all know how high I am on him, Mike Gusecki is going to be that outlet. And so I think Mike Gusecki has a chance. He can make plays with the ball in his hands after the fact. And if this was dynasty, I may be a little bit lower because Miami is not committed to him. But in best ball, I do think there's a chance, especially if Tyreek Hill or Waddle miss time, Gusecki is going to fill in as the number two target and then offense at that point. Cole Komet follows him at tight end 15. So I like Komet as a talent. Again, it's kind of like Gasecki just on a worse offense, right? Maybe less target competition, but we just don't know how this new staff and Justin Fields at quarterback is going to play out. As much as I am high on Justin Fields, a lot of that is off of his rushing ability and not so much on the fact that he is going to just air it out and be a really accurate quarterback at this time. And a big way for tight ends to pay off, which we all know is in the red zone. And I just don't know how many points that the Chicago offense is going to score if Cole Komet was in other offenses, I would have him much higher. He doesn't have much target competition outside of Darnell Mooney. So that's where I think half PPR or full PPR, he's probably even a better option. But I don't see too many red zone opportunities for him. Right behind him, I know Taylor's guy, Hunter Henry. Heard some noise about Jonu Smith recently in uh, New England. I think Mac Jones is going to take another step being in his second year. Uh, You know, there's an argument to be made that Mac Jones was the most impressive quarterback last year out of that draft class as far as just consistency and efficiency goes compares to the others. I know there were things going on with coaching staffs in Chicago and Jacksonville, but I don't want to sleep on Mac Jones. I'm not super high on him on fantasy, but as far as a quarterback and being able to distribute the ball, if Hunter Henry is the guy, in the red zone again that's the theme with tight ends if they're not going to hand it off to damian harris and ramondre stevenson we know jacoby myers has had issues issue scoring kendrick Bourne played well but is he really that dude hunter henry is going to be a reliable option there so gerald everett a guy again getting up there in age but you put him on an explosive offense in la with the chargers i'm going to push him up the board just talked about josh palmer being the number three i think gerald everett in the red zone is going to be the third look for this offense and so behind keenan allen behind mike williams again if anything were to happen to them josh palmer gerald everett definitely looking at a lot more targets and a lot more opportunity hayden hurst coming in behind him so moving to Cincinnati being kind of the guy CJ Uzoma left went over to the New York Jets again really good offense tied to a really good quarterback he's got a lot of target competition with Jamar Chase T Higgins Tyler Boyd even Joe Mixon out of the backfield but in an explosive offense, there's going to be opportunity. And again, if any of those guys, which we've seen in the past, miss some time, Hayden Hurst has more opportunity. Uh, CJ Uzoma was a darling for some people last year, DFS and redraft, some best ball stuff as well. I think Hayden Hurst personally is a better wide receiver or tight end, uh, better at catching the ball, probably even a little bit more explosive, even though he is a little bit older. I like Hayden Hurst this year as one of these later round tight ends. Evan Ingram is coming in next at tight end 19 so got a little bit of hate for this and discussions with chris and taylor Uh, i like the talent right i mean this guy as a rookie came in put up a thousand yards receiving and we know there's been some dysfunction in new york i know he's not going to the best situation in jacksonville but if this offense takes the next step because the urban meyer coaching staff is not there 
and their best wide receiver on the roster right now is Christian Kirk, you could argue it's Travis Etienne, then I think there is going to be opportunity for Evan Ingram in that offense. And again, in the red zone, if it's not going to be Travis Etienne, I don't know if Christian Kirk's going to be that guy in the red zone. You've got somebody in Evan Ingram who I think has done it in the past, just needed to get out of a bad situation in New York. Coming in at number 20, a guy that could definitely move up or down depending on what happens. I've got David Njoku in Cleveland. We know he got the contract, whether that was paying him too much or not. He's there and they paid him and he's going to be a target, right? Odell Beckham left, Jarvis Landry left. I know they brought in David Bell in the draft. Amari Cooper's coming in, but if Jacoby Brissett is behind center, or if Deshaun Watson comes back, obviously this could fluctuate. Again, going off of the news right now, we have Deshaun Watson with a six-game suspension. This is where I'm going to leave him. If we find out it's longer, David Njoku might be pushed down. I do like the athleticism. Again, explosive tight ends. I really like guys that could be red zone targets, and that's where Deshaun coming back, they're going to be more points scored than if Jacoby Brissett is at quarterback. So I would push Njoku up maybe a little bit higher into that Gerald Everett, Hayden Hurst range because, again, it's going to be a much better offense if we see more Deshaun Watson than if we see Jacoby Brissett. Behind him, Robert Tunyon. So coming back from uh, injury, not sure how much time he's going to have this year. I was hoping for a full season. It's starting to sound like Josiah DeGuara might get some time to start the season. If Robert Tunyon comes back, it's a similar situation where you know we think Alan Lazard is the number one, but we have seen Robert Tunyon have big time target share in the red zone, red zone with Aaron Rodgers, even when Devontae Adams was there. So if Tanyan can get 14, 15 games with Aaron Rodgers, I'm pretty high on him. It's not somebody you have to pay up for. You can sit back and wait until tight end 16 through 18 range and scoop up a guy that has Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. So again, I still think this offense is going to be able to move the ball. They play pretty slow compared to other offenses in the NFL that we love, like the Rams, the Chiefs, the Chargers. But if he can get the red zone targets and he can get that share, then he has an opportunity to pay off at where he's being drafted. Tyler Higby coming in at 22. Again, another good offense. Not a huge fan of Tyler Higby as far as the talent, the athleticism, but he is in that Rams offense. I do think he's got a little bit more competition. We saw Robert Woods go down with injury. We know Odell Beckham is out right now, but they did bring in Allen Robinson, who myself and Chris are pretty high on coming in to play with Matthew Stafford. But I do have Tyler Higby a little bit lower than some of these other guys just because I'm not sure he's as talented as a Hayden Hurst and Evan Ingram or a David Njoku. And as much as he's in a good offense, I just can't justify putting him higher than those guys. Coming in at 23, the aforementioned Noah Fant. You know, moving from Denver going to Seattle, not a great situation. But if Geno Smith is the quarterback, I don't see Geno Smith pushing the ball down the field as much, which is where Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf really pay off. But if he's staying over the middle of the field, shorter passes, I can see Noah Fant, especially in full point PPR uh, leagues, racking up some points that way. And if they do score, again, I don't know how many of those deep plays it's going to be on. They may be working their way into the red zone with the run game, and he could get some touchdown receptions this year uh and and again pay off where he's being drafted finally coming in at 24 i have austin hooper so this is somebody i have a pretty good uh exposure to a number of drafts i've picked up austin hooper even when i want to push tight end and quarterback till late grabbing Tannehill, grabbing hooper honestly we're not sure who the number two 
in Tennessee is going to be as far as wide receivers go? Is it Westbrook Akine? Is it somebody else? And so I think Austin Hooper has an opportunity there to carve out a role. Uh, you know, I'm still not fully sold on Traylon Burks as a prospect. So if Traylon Burks does not end up coming in and filling that A.J. Brown role. And if they really don't want to run Derrick Henry into another injury, I think Austin Hooper has some opportunity here. Uh, And again, got him at tight end 24. I don't know how explosive that offense is going to be, how many points they're going to put up. We know they love to run the ball, but I do think there's enough opportunity for him to push up into the top 24. So again, most of the time in my drafts, I am going with one of the, you know, I'd I'd call it top five guys. If I don't get one of the top five, which includes Kelsey, Andrews, Pitts, Waller, and Kittle, I will wait for maybe an Albert O, a Nerv Smith I'm really high on, a Gerald Everett, Hayden Hurst. These are guys that I know I have a good amount of exposure to. But if I really want to kick tight end down the road and just load up, you know, get two quarterbacks that I really trust and Again, just stack wide receivers with the quarterbacks that I draft, high-end wide receivers, and go with some talented running backs early. I can kick tight end down the road. I can pick up a Hayden Hurst, an Evan Ingram, a Noah Fant, maybe a Robert Tanyan, Austin Hooper I like. And then looking outside of that top 24, there are guys like Brevin Jordan, again, with the news about John Mechie not playing this year with his cancer diagnosis. I know Brandon Cooks is there. I know Nico Collins has gotten some buzz, but in an offense where, again, I think Davis Mills can be a, an average quarterback in the league and they're going to be playing from behind. There's opportunity there for Brevin Jordan. Logan Thomas, if healthy, uh, we've seen what he can do. We saw Ricky Seals-Jones step in for him last year as well. Uh, Mo Alley-Cox in Indianapolis. I do like Matt Ryan in that offense. Again, I'm not sold that Mo Alley-Cox is the answer there, but as of right now, he's tied in one. Will be interesting to see, again, if Cameron Brait is the guy. I know they brought in Kyle Rudolph, uh, but it's starting to look like with the signing of Julio Jones, I, I may not even take a risk on any of these Tampa Bay tight ends. I did mention CJ Uzoma. They've got Tyler Conklin there in New York as well. I'm personally kind of avoiding those two just because I don't know which way they are going to go, who's going to get more targets, who's not. So I'm kind of avoiding that situation. Adam Troutman is an interesting one in New Orleans. If we think Jameis is going to have a big year, which I think Taylor and Chris are a little bit higher on than I am. You know, is Troutman going to be out there? But then we have to start talking about what's Taysom Hill doing. He's not going to be getting the reps at quarterback is what it sounds like. Is he going to get some time in the backfield, especially depending on Kamara, even though we think he's going to play the whole year. So a lot of questions down the board as you push outside that top 24 with an OJ Howard behind Dawson Knox, Trey McBride, you know, maybe a Dan Arnold. Uh, that's about as far as I'd want to push down this board. I wouldn't want to go down to a Donald Parham, Ian Thomas. I don't think you need to in best ball either. So make sure you lock in those top 24 guys, whether it's two, sometimes three of them, depending on who you're picking. If you punt it down the road, you may want to take three just in case. Um, and again, if you can if you can get one of those guys early, and I think this will probably hold in redraft as well, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunity for the guys at the top. They can be the alpha guys, and that can really separate you from the other teams in your league, in your division, in best ball, and hopefully pay off in the end with uh with some big money at the end of the year. So I do want to look at maybe a hot take. I don't know if this is gonna be too hot 
for the guys. Uh, I think they know who I am really high on, but I'm starting to warm up even more to guys like, say, Hayden Hurst or Evan Ingram, guys that we've seen be sought after when they were drafted, guys that we have seen do it before. And I think for my hot take, and I may adjust my rankings accordingly here, I believe that Hayden Hurst and Evan Ingram just might push into the top 15 at tight end. Again, that may vault them over guys like Cole Komet, Hunter Henry, Mike Gusecki. I think those are guys that, you know, I either have questions about the offense or how much target share they're actually going to get. And when I look at Hayden Hurst being in a much better offense, maybe Gerald Everett in a much better offense in L.A., and then Evan Ingram is going to have the opportunity there. We think Christian Kirk may be the alpha. A lot of the offense may run through Travis Etienne, but there's opportunity there at that number two if it's not Zay Jones, Marvin Jones. Don't think it's going to be LaVisca Chenault. There's there's opportunity for Evan Ingram to make a lot of plays for Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I'm going to push Hayden Hurst and Evan Ingram up maybe in these rankings as I start to go through this a little bit more. Look at some of the target share, some of the numbers that they're going to get. Uh, Again, how many plays are these offenses going to run? I mean, that's going to factor in huge when it comes to target share. So uh, I may be moving those guys up, but that's going to be my hot take is both of those guys end up top 15. Uh, so I will I will get these rankings adjusted accordingly. We will have those at QCFantasy.com anytime you guys want to reference this. And as we make updates, as we move closer to the season, as we get more reports on depth charts, on injuries, things like that, we will be adjusting all of these Thank you to everyone for tuning in. Again, the first solo pod for QC Fantasy. Very excited. Wanted to give the people a show this week. Uh, Didn't want you all to miss out. Be waiting around. We finished wide receivers last week. Got tight ends done. So coming out soon, we will be drafting a $25 buy-in to Best Ball Mania 3 on Underdog Fantasy. If you don't have the app, haven't checked it out, please go do it. Uh, $2 million to first place for Best Ball Mania, a million dollars to the highest scorer during the regular season. A lot of money on the line. This is why we enjoy this, right? Is there's opportunity out there. There's a way to carve out a name in the industry. Go make some noise. That's what, again, I've been drafting 50, 60. It'll probably be close to 100, if not 150 teams by the time the season starts. So, Really looking forward to that. Follow us at QC underscore fantasy on Twitter and Instagram. Again, to everybody that subscribes, follows, rates. Thank you all so much. And we will be back soon. Thank you. Taylor, edit this correctly. Make it sound good. I don't know what I sound like, and I'm not going to listen back to it. I'm just going to send it to you. Taylor here popping in in the post-edit stage. Graham, you sounded great. Um, Sad we weren't able to be there for the roast of your tight ends. I know I can go ahead and say Chris and I definitely would have roasted you on Albert O, uh, but there will be a later time and a later tweet I can post regarding that. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. We'll see you in a few days.